Welcome to our new series called Do Hard Things. I thought a really great way to start off this series would be to have you listen to a sermon while also getting hypothermia. So if you're too cold, I get it. Uh, it's chilly in here. Just so you, if it makes you feel any better, maybe it won't. Uh, but the next group that comes in, by the time they're done, they're all be fanning themselves with heat. Uh, like having a heat stroke because it gets really hot in here the longer the day goes on. But I am glad you're here with this new series, Do Hard Things. I wonder how many of you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, and you say to yourself, man, I hope today isn't going to be too easy. I want to get out there and do some really hard things. How many of you get up and that's how you start your day? Probably not a lot of us. My guess is that most of us tend to wake up in the morning and kind of hope, we might not say it out loud, but we kind of hope, man, I hope today won't be too hard. Does that sound a little more familiar? I hope today won't be too hard because we tend to want smooth sailing in our day. That's what we tend to like when things go smoothly. We don't go looking for hard things. We like convenience. We like comfort. If someone where you work raised their hand during the morning staff meeting and said, hey, hey, I would really love it if you would give me all of the most difficult customers today. Just send them my way. I want them all. If that happened at a morning staff meeting, what would happen in the room? Eyebrows would go up. Next would go like this. Confusion would fill the room. Like, what is your problem? You want all the most difficult customers, really? Because that's not typically how we operate. We like things to be smooth. If, has someone, uh, anyone ever said this, or maybe you've said it, do you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Now, if you've said that or someone has said that to you, uh, they're probably not promoting the hard way, are they? They're probably trying to get you to do it the easy way. Our culture has put so much value on making life easy. We live in a world of the microwave and the washing machine and the dryer. We live in a world of indoor plumbing, which I love. Big fan of indoor plumbing. We live in a world of refrigerators and cars and all of these inventions, all of these things are designed to make life easier. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Those things aren't in and of themselves bad. But when we put so much emphasis on making life easy, we have a tendency towards this unwillingness to do hard things. If our whole concept of life and the good life or a life that uh, is, is pleasant is all built around making life easier... There's just not a lot of motivation in our culture to go looking for hard things. Sometimes we have this unwillingness to do hard things that expresses itself in words like, I quit. In words like, I'm done. In words like, I don't want to. And then those words are followed by this, because it's too hard. This job is too hard. This marriage is too hard. Being patient is too hard. Living with integrity is just too hard. 
It's too hard to get up and get everybody ready for church in the morning. Let's just watch it on TV. I want you to be honest with yourself. How often, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't even have to whisper it to your neighbor, but how often do you go looking for hard things? Here at Grace Fellowship, we want to help you live a Jesus-centered life. That's why we exist. And you just need to know that living for Jesus, following Jesus, is not easy. You just need to know that. It's not easy. Living a Jesus-centered life is not about chasing after comfort. It's not about uh, living for the Lord only when it's convenient, only when it doesn't interfere with what I want or what you want. Living a Jesus-centered life is a call to perseverance and sacrifice and courage. It's a commitment to do hard things. And the reason it's a commitment to do hard things is because we're supposed to be patterning our lives after Jesus. And Jesus was willing to do hard things. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8 is going to be like our theme verse or passage um, for this series. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. All right. Well, what was his attitude? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Just pause real quick and understand that it wasn't that Jesus at any point stopped being divine. He didn't stop being God even for a moment. He was always fully God. But he laid aside that divine and experienced life on this planet as a human, like you and I do, and experienced it in full measure, like you and I do. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Does any of that sound easy? None of it sounds easy. If you had divine power, would you be willing to set it aside and live in a more humble position? That would be hard to do. And yet Jesus left the glory of heaven. He set aside his divine power and experienced life like you and I experience it in the mess of this world. Allowed himself to be betrayed and, 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 uh, and, and tortured. He died the death of a criminal on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins, so that you and I could be made right with God. None of that was easy. Jesus was willing to do hard things, and it says here that we're to have the same attitude. We're to pattern our thinking, pattern our lives after Jesus. So We need to be willing to do hard things. That's what this series is going to be about. It's about you and I having the same kind of courage that Jesus had as he walked through this life, willing to do hard things. You ready? I can tell you're super jazzed about 
series and doing hard things. Maybe, maybe listening to this sermon series the whole way through is going to be your first step in doing some hard things. A couple weeks ago, um, I told you about this lunch that I led for our National Pastors Network. And one of the things that we do at this lunch is we, we honor people. And so we, we had a group of pastors, I think there was maybe five of them, that we had come up onto the platform and we honored them because that group of guys uh, is super intentional about encouraging other pastors and we wanted to recognize that and we honored them for that. Then we honored another man who has served our fellowship of churches for like a thousand years. And like maybe it's not a thousand, but it's not much short of that. Like he's been around forever and uh, it's just been an amazing blessing to our fellowship. And we had an opportunity to celebrate that and honor him. And then something unexpected happened. Uh, the, the guy who was helping me with the meal, he said, we have one more honor to give. And so the board uh, that leads with me, uh, they decided that they wanted to honor me. And I wasn't expecting it, and uh, they gave me what we have called these honor coins. And these honor coins are pretty cool, and it says on here, faithful servant. And uh, you know, I, I totally get why we honored this guy who's been around for a thousand years. Uh, I wasn't quite understanding uh, why they wanted to do that, but I accepted it uh, with this, with, with a feeling of love. That's how it made me feel. I didn't feel pride because I don't know that I necessarily deserve something like that. So I didn't feel pride, but I felt loved. I felt the emotion of being valued. Does that make sense? Being honored in that way made me feel loved and valued. That's not always easy to do, to honor someone who maybe doesn't deserve. I don't know that I deserved it, but I felt loved, I felt respected, I felt valued. I totally get why these other guys, why we wanted to honor them, but there's probably people in your life that you don't think need to be honored, that you don't think deserve to be honored. What do we do with that? Romans 12, 9 and 10, would you go there? That's going to be our kind of theme verse for this morning. Romans 12, 9 starts this way. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You got to just pause on that for a second. We're not supposed to have this surface level, painted on smile, how you doing, high five on our way kind of relationship with one another. Now, I know that's how some of you experience church, and it's not supposed to be like that. Right? Some of you, you come and you do your thing, and then you move on with your day, you move on with your week. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what is good. We'll probably revisit that in another week when we talk about walking with integrity. But verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. 
If you have an NIV in your lap, it says, honor one another above yourselves. I think if you have an ESV, it says something like, outdo one another in showing honor. To honor someone means to treat them with tremendous value. Treat them like they have great value. It means to love them. It means to build them up, to treat them with respect. To dishonor someone means to tear them down. It's the opposite, right? It means to treat them like they have no value, to treat them with disrespect. And honoring others is not always about giving someone an award or giving them special public recognition. It's not always about that. Sometimes honoring others is just about the way that we treat them that we treat them in a way that they feel valued, that we treat them in a way that they feel loved, that they feel respected. And the reason I'm starting off this series about doing hard things with honoring others above ourselves with that kind of challenge is because that can be hard to do sometimes. It can be really hard to do when we don't think the other person deserves to be honored or maybe we think oh yeah they deserve to be honored they deserve to get the toad of the year award that's what that's what they should be honored with i don't know do you struggle with that you ever struggle honoring others above yourself maybe it's because you disagree with them about something maybe it's because of Whatever it is you disagree with them about, you're like, I I don't get you, I don't get the way you think, and I don't understand why you're doing this or why you're living this way, and I don't respect you. Maybe their worldview is so distorted by our culture, and you have nothing in common, and you just don't respect them. Maybe their personality is unpleasant. Maybe they post things online that you don't agree with. Maybe maybe they are far from God and their life decisions reflect that, that distance. It can be hard to honor someone that we don't think is worthy of honor. But think about some of the things that, that Jesus taught us about how we are to treat our enemies. Now, maybe this person isn't even your enemy. You just you don't respect them. You don't think they're worthy of honor. But if Jesus taught us to treat our enemies with love, what did he say? Love your enemies, pray for your enemies, forgive those who wrong you. These are the kind of things that Jesus taught us. And those instructions are not about putting a stamp of approval on the sinful actions, the the actions or words of others that are wrong. It's not about approving of those deeds or those words or even those worldviews. It's about not responding with vengeance. It's about not responding with hatred. It's about learning how to respond in those moments with love. I think that's what it looks like to honor others who aren't necessarily, in our minds, worthy of honor. Treating them like they have value as a human being created in the image of God. Treating them with love and respect. You know, some... Sometimes the best way 
to honor others is just to be honorable ourselves. To be an honorable person, to do the right thing even when the other person isn't. To be kind even when the other person isn't. To demonstrate love and grace even when you're the one being lied about or mistreated. It's easy to dishonor people. It is. It's easy to dishonor people. Especially in our culture. I think we have this culture, and there's a lot of stuff wrong with our culture, believe me, but one of the things that is kind of sad and frustrating is we live in a culture of dishonor. If you want to be popular in our culture, if you want to be thought well of in certain uh, circles of influence in our culture, all you have to do is dishonor. Dishonor our country, dishonor our flag, dishonor our history, dishonor certain groups of people, and you'll be celebrated as a hero. I think it's easy to dishonor people. It's easy to dishonor others. Even people maybe that don't deserve it. Look at Mark chapter 6. Of all the people you can think of that would deserve to be honored, I would assume that you and I would put Jesus in that category, that he deserves honor. Like even if... You're someone who is far from God. What you know about Jesus, if you know anything about Jesus, you probably wouldn't put him in a category of someone that you think deserves dishonor. In Mark 6, verses 1 to 4, it says that Jesus left the part of the country that he was in. He returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Now, he wasn't born in Nazareth, as we know. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but his Remember, his parents had to leave in the middle of the night. They had to flee to Egypt because uh, the king was going to come after Jesus. And uh, so they spent some time as refugees in, in Egypt and then eventually came back and lived in Nazareth. This is where Jesus grew up, in Nazareth. And so now he goes back to his hometown where he grew up. And on the Sabbath, he began teaching in the, in the local synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and, and the power to perform such miracles? So some people were, were impressed, some people were amazed at him, but not everybody. Verse 3 says that some of them scoffed. Just a carpenter, the son of Mary. We, we know his whole family. We know all of his brothers. This, it's uh, James and Joseph, Judas, Simon, his sisters live here. We, we know Jesus. And it says they were deeply offended. They refused to believe in him. They refused to honor Jesus. Their attitude towards him was Jesus is nothing special. He's not, he's not worthy of honor. He's a carpenter. They were offended by what he taught. And so they refused to give him honor. They refused to respect him. And they just wanted nothing to do with him. Is that how you treat people that you disagree with? Is that how you treat people who offend you? Do you, do you cancel them from your life? When you go to the store and you see them, 
walking in or they're in a different aisle. You just keep on walking like they are imaginary or like they are invisible. It's easy to dishonor people. It's easy to cancel them from your life. It's easy to post passive-aggressive comments that clearly are directed at this person that you disagree with. It's easy to dishonor people. Honoring others above ourselves can be really hard to do sometimes, but following Jesus means we do hard things. I want to move now beyond the concept of honoring others, the definition of honoring others. And I want to talk about how we can intentionally do that in our everyday lives. How, how can we walk through life each and every day finding ways to honor others above ourselves? And I think the best place to start is at home. I think we should start at home. So I'm kind of scanning the room here. We have some uh, students. We have some students that still live at home with their parents. We'll have more in the next service, and we might even have some at home this morning. Exodus 20, verse 12. I want to talk to the kids in the room. Exodus 20, verse 12. Go ahead and look it up. Don't take my word for it. Exodus 20, 12 says, part of the Ten Commandments, right? The, the Big Ten. Honor your father and mother. Now, I want you to notice something about verse 12. It's the only one listed here, the only command that also has a promise connected to it. It doesn't say here, don't murder. If you don't murder, you'll be blessed beyond your wildest dreams, right? Don't murder. But this one here says, honor your father and mother, and there's a blessing connected to it, a promise. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There will be blessings for that. Honor your father and mother. And I just want you to know that that command gets repeated a bunch of times throughout Scripture. Even into the New Testament, it gets repeated over and over again. It's really important. Students, listen to me. Maybe mom and dad are weird. Maybe your parents are weird. Maybe they're not cool. They might think they're cool, but maybe they're not. doesn't matter. God says you need to honor them. God says you need to love and respect them. And listen, you don't have to understand why your parents see the world the way that they see it. You don't have to figure that out. doesn't matter. You could try, you can, you can try to see the world from their perspective, but even if you can't figure it out, it doesn't matter. God says you need to honor mom and dad. You need to show them love, and you need to show them respect. And I recognize that sometimes that's not easy, because sometimes, sometimes parents will act one way on Sunday, and they will act less than honorable the rest of the week. That happens. Sometimes it's not easy because you think you're right. And you think your parents don't get it. You think that they're being unreasonable. 
Maybe your parents are overbearing. Maybe your parents are too permissive. Maybe your parents are never going to get the mom and dad of the year award. Doesn't matter. You still need to honor them and show them love and respect. And I also want to say this. It doesn't just mean when it says to honor mom and dad, when honor your parents, it's not just obeying all of the harsh, tyrannical rules that they've set up for you. It's about the way that you treat them. It's about the way that you talk to them. You need to talk to them with love and respect. That's part of what it means to honor mom and dad. I'll get real specific. If you are in the habit of using the phrase, whatever, if you are in the habit of doing that, stop it. You need to stop it. Because that phrase is disrespectful. It is dismissive, and you need to stop it. By the way, Full disclosure, it's a conversation I've had in my own home. So just don't think that your kids are the toads. I've had the conversation too. Sometimes it's not easy to honor your parents. But following Jesus means we do hard things. You need to honor mom and dad. It starts at home. I think the next place that we need to talk about is in our marriages. Ephesians chapter 5, those are the New Testament with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And I'm just going to warn you up front, for some of you, this is going to be hard right out of the gate. Like you're going to hear this, and the hairs on the back of your neck are going to bristle. I'm just telling you ahead of time, this is going to be hard for some of you to hear. Verse 22, Ephesians 5, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You hear the word submit, and there's just something in our culture that interprets that to mean slave. Something in our culture that somehow interprets that to mean I'm less than. And that's not the context at all. When you read through the entire portion of Scripture, which we're going to do together, I hope there's going to be some clarity into what this looks like as a wife follows the leadership, the spiritual leadership of a godly husband. That's the picture that's being painted here. Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of his body. As the church submits to Christ, follows the leadership of Jesus, so wives should submit to your husbands and everything. We, we need to understand the picture that's being painted is not one of, of which the husband is overbearing and is demanding and treats his wife poorly. And I can prove that with the very next verse. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Watch this. He gave up his life for her. When we talk about the spiritual leadership of a husband, we're talking about this sacrificial love 
that leads his wife, that leads his family with an incredible love that he's willing to sacrifice his own life if necessary to demonstrate love for his wife. You put those two things together and you've got a godly husband who's willing to sacrifice his own life for the sake of his bride. And you've got a bride who's willing to follow the leadership and honor the leadership of her husband. Man, you want to talk about a beautiful marriage, a powerful marriage? That's what's being described. Free marriage advice. If you want to have a great marriage, honor each other. Honor your marriage. Treat your spouse like they are of tremendous value to you. Treat your marriage like it is more valuable to you than whatever it is that's on TV. Treat your spouse like they are more valuable to you than whatever your hobby is. Treat your marriage like it is more valuable to you than whatever it is you do for work. Remember when you were dating? People still do that? People Are they dating again? Are we allowed to date now? I don't know. I don't know. But you remember when you were dating? Guys, guys, remember? Uh, you'd open up doors. You'd give all kinds of compliments and you'd bring gifts. You'd even put on a clean shirt. I mean, you'd put on a, a clean shirt. Ladies, remember what it was like? And you were dating all this sweet talk and make that effort to look nice and smell good. And, and you leave little notes around different places where he'd find, remember all that? And you got married. And maybe what happened over time, I'm not saying this is true for every marriage, but it's possible that over time you began to take each other for granted. And treat each other and treat your marriage like it's nothing special. Maybe you began to speak to each other, not with honor, but with dishonor. You treat the dog better than you treat your spouse. And, and if, if that's what you're satisfied with, I don't know what to say to help you, but great marriages don't look like that. Great marriages honor each other above themselves. And I understand sometimes it's not easy to honor your spouse because maybe they don't always treat you with honor, love, and respect. Maybe, maybe they're not going to get the spouse of the year award at this year's ceremony. You didn't know that was a thing? We'll do better and maybe you'll get invited. Listen, if, if the pattern of your marriage is not honoring one another above yourselves, someone's got to take the first move. It needs to be you. Don't wait. Don't wait for them to start honoring you. Don't wait for them to make a change. You make the change. You start speaking and treating your spouse with honor, love, and respect. You be the one to change. And pray that they respond. But someone's got to make the first move. 
It's not always easy. I get that. But following Jesus means we do hard things. This needs to start at home, but then we need to bring honor into the church. We need to bring honor into the church. That's the context of this this passage here in Romans chapter 12. Let me look at it one more time with you. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. This is how we're to treat our church family. And just so you understand, you can't do that if you avoid your church family. You get that, right? You can't, you can't live this out if you avoid your church family. And even when there's a conflict, even when there's a problem, we can still honor each other. We can do that by talking directly to the person where the problem exists instead of trashing them all over town. It's not always easy to honor, love, and respect everyone in your church family. Listen, there might even be a valid reason why you think someone doesn't deserve honor, why you think someone doesn't deserve respect. They're not going to win Christian of the Year. But we can still treat that person with love. We can still treat that person with respect. Even if we need to say hard things. Even when we need to hold someone accountable. For being less than honorable. Paul reminds us in Galatians that when you have to have that conversation, he says do it with gentleness. That's treating someone who may not be all that honorable with love and respect and honor. It's not always easy, but following Jesus means we do hard things. Start at home, then bring honor to the church. Finally, take honor to our messed up world. Start at home, honor each other at home, bring honor to the church, then take honor to our messed up world. I alluded to this passage earlier. I want you to read it with me from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, verse 43. You want to talk about doing hard things? Here we go. You have, Jesus talking, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you like that in that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike if you love only those who love you what reward is there for that even corrupt tax collectors do that much if you're kind only to your friends how are you any different from anyone else even pagans do that But you're to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is hard. Our culture is losing its grip on what it means to honor other people. And I don't know, I mean, this has probably been going on longer, but 
might have been enhanced, exacerbated. It, it might have been made worse by COVID. I don't know. But it really seems to me like when you go out in public, like there's, there's so many people that have no idea how to behave in public. Have you noticed that? Like they have no clue. Like, like they haven't been out of the house for a year and a half. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's been going on longer than that. We went to the first movie in, I don't know, more than a year. My daughter wanted to go see this movie, and so I took her to see this movie. Mom, two months ago, something like that. So it's the first time I've been at the movie theater for quite a while, and we go in, and uh, we're, we're sitting down. And in case you didn't know, you're going to get a little lesson in how you should treat other people. So in case you didn't know, when you walk into a theater uh, and, and you walk into a row, uh, and someone is sitting here, leave a buffer seat. Would you just leave a buffer seat? Could you do that for me? Could you just please not sit right up against me when you walk? There's plenty of seats. You don't have to sit right here. Something else I'd share with you, too. Uh, it would be great if you wouldn't cough on people. That would be nice. That would be great if you could... We learned that in kindergarten. Remember that? When kindergarten, like, cover your, remember the whole thing? Mom said, cover your mouth. Don't sneeze. Yeah, that would be great if you could do that. So the guy in our row, uh, now he didn't cough on me. Or I'd have got up and moved. But he, uh, especially in, in like post-COVID, like we're kind of working our way out of that. Like why would you even, if you have a cough, stay home, right? And so he's just coughing on this lady's head the whole time. And and it wasn't like he was sick. I think he just had something in his throat, and, like, he would laugh and cough at the same time. It was weird, and he just, and the lady was like, Rrr. it was, people, we went to the beach uh, for vacation. You got the entire beach, really? You've got to put your tent right here. You've got, people don't know how to act in public. People don't know how to honor other people. And I think one of the ways that we can take honor into a messed up world as we can demonstrate what it looks like to honor other people. We can, we can be the ones who will hold the door for someone and let them go first. We can be the ones who, when we're in line, we can be the one. You ever, you ever, uh, have you ever been in a line and you got like one thing? You got one thing. And you've got the person in front, they've got like three carts full, right? One thing. I, I've, I've experienced it both ways. I've experienced it when, you know, someone's, oh, no, you got one thing. Go, go ahead. Thank you. That's, that's kind. We could be that person. We don't have to be the person who's like, I don't see you. I don't see you and your one thing. I've got my three carts, and I don't care about you. We don't have to be that person. We can be the person that says, go ahead. How about this? I'm probably going to, this is going to be hard to hear for some of you. you. You can, you don't have to flip people off. You don't have to do that. When you're in traffic, you don't have to be the person who flips people off. Too close? Don't be that person. Maybe you don't know this. You're going to learn a lot of good stuff today. You ready? When, when you're, when you're in a traffic jam situation in a parking lot when it's just a mess, there's a system. 
one car, like you got car, right? This car goes, this car goes, this car goes. That's how it's supposed to work. And it only works that way if we honor each other. You can honor someone, right? You can be the one. We don't have to lose that. We can use good manners, good etiquette. We can speak with kindness even when we aren't being spoken to with kindness. We can still. Guys, listen, dishonor is easy. It is. Dishonor is easy. Following Jesus means we do hard things. So I'm going to ask you to consider this challenge this week. Who could you honor this week? When I ask that question, I imagine that in the back of your mind or the front of your mind, there's someone who comes to your mind. Who could I honor this week? Someone who, in your mind, deserves to be honored, right? They're, they're amazing. They're awesome. This person is incredible, and I would love them to be honored. Good. Honor them. Find a way to honor them. Whether it's through a compliment, a card, an encouragement, a hug, just a thank you, honor them. If, they des- if they're worthy of honor, find a way to honor them. That would be great. I wonder if there's someone that maybe is going to be a little harder, someone in your life, a little harder to honor. What do you do with Could you treat them with kindness? Could you do that? Could you treat them with respect? Could you treat them like they have value as a human being because they are made in the image of God? Could we do that? We show them love and respect. Could we pattern our lives after Jesus? Think about what Jesus did. Full circle now, back to the beginning of our passage in Philippians. What did Jesus do? Jesus was willing to die for sinners like you and me. Jesus was was willing to be scoffed and ridiculed and spit on. He was willing to be tortured and he hung on a cross willingly as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin so that you and I could be made right with God. He was willing to do hard things for others, for the sake of others like you and me. He didn't deserve what happened to him, but he was, he was willing, instead of responding with scorched earth, 10,000 angels in a, in a click of a finger, in, the, in, the, in just the breath of a word, scorched earth. That's what he could have done, but he didn't. Let me pause on that moment. Have you responded to that in faith? Have you responded? I mean, think about everything Jesus did for you, knowing that there will be tons of people who would reject him, just like they did in Mark chapter 6, people that would look at Jesus and say, no, thanks, not for me. He did it anyway. If you haven't yet responded to Jesus as your forgiver, through faith, believe that he's your forgiver of sin, your only salvation from hell, the only way to be made right with God, the only one truly worth following. If you haven't yet taken that step of faith, I hope that you'll do that today. Transform your life. Everything that we're talking about today is hard. 
But here's the advantage that the believer has. The one who has chosen to trust Christ as their forgiver, as their savior to follow Jesus. Here's the advantage. When we do that, he gives us his Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who empowers us spiritually to be able to do hard things. That's the advantage that we have. So if you haven't yet taken that step of faith, I hope that you will. But if you have, would we just for a moment reflect on Jesus and his example? Jesus put others first. Our attitude, it says in Philippians, our attitude should be the same as Jesus. And living a Jesus-centered life is not supposed to be easy. We are called to do hard things. Sometimes honoring others is one of those hard things. But Jesus is our example. That's what he did, and that's how we should live.